Many times I've used the analogy of a high school cafeteria when describing the music industry. It's a world of suspended adolescence, and people quickly lock into their respective subgroups. I, I hate it. The popular successful music groups, the critics' darlings, the wild hooligans, the king and queen of the prom, and of course, the square pegs, the freaks, and the losers. I was so happy when high school was over, but entering the music industry, I was shocked to find out it's actually high school on steroids. Being part of the hard rock world, you are immediately branded as a square peg. Too heavy to become a critic's darling, too lightweight for the jock metal world, and too straight for the freaks. Of course, this analysis is all based on insecurity and anxiety with a modicum of intuition. But we're talking about an industry that relies heavily on the egos of people, most of these people being beyond redemption, might I add. This feeling of rejection I felt throughout the years and being cast out within the music industry in certain circles is by now very calloused, but can still sting years after high school has closed its doors. However, being a square peg in this music industry makes it easier to find other square pegs, and it's probably why I can't get enough of Devin Townsend. Devin was last on the podcast a couple of years back, episode number 157, when we had an uproarious conversation at the Grass Pop Metal meeting in Belgium about touring, being Canadian, ripping on people, and I walked away from it with a quiet acknowledgement that we were cut from a similar cloth. Oh, don't think I'm getting a big head. I don't mean a similar musical cloth. Compared to Devin, I have no game. He makes musical masterpieces as fluid and easy as I sing out the word baby in our songs. But what I mean is a similar attitude and approach to this music industry. Of course, it seems appropriate the next time he's on this podcast is during the NAM show, the yearly trade show of music gear, music products, music equipment. It attracts musicians and fans alike. As exciting and fun as it can sometimes be, it's also a place that's riddled with delusion, conceit, and sadness. I think people like myself and Devin are quick to suss that out and see it more in the foreground than most. Talking to Devin here in the heart of Nam, the heart being the parking garage of the Hilton Hotel attached to the convention center, was energizing. It made me feel a lot less lonesome knowing there was someone else out there who could sense the absurdity of their surroundings. Don't get me wrong, I had a lot of fun being at NAM, and I do plan on attending again next year. As hilarious and as sad as it can get, it's also quite humbling and gave me a different perspective as to how many people are striving to do what we do, which is be in a band, play for people. I got a renewed sense of gratitude to go along with my usual snide comments and smugness. When we started production on our new album, A Rock Supreme, with Garth Richardson out in Vancouver, Devin made a stop by the studio to say hello and hang, and I'd like to think his presence bestowed the album with some degree of positive musical energy. Indeed, it is our best album to date, so it's a theory that's hard to argue. At the time, Devin was just about starting work on his own new album, which is out now, called Empath. 
Well, that's turned out to be a monumental slab of artistry. It's an album that sounds like if Queen had a baby with Meshuga. It's grand. It's Herculean. And it's wild to think that while we were working on our cute little hard rock tunes, Devin had this masterpiece brewing in his head. If there needed to be a Canadian ambassador of music, I couldn't think of anyone more suitable than Devin Townsend. I submit his new album, Empath, as confirmation. Hearing it fills me with pride that music so utterly godhead actually emanates from someone based out of Canada. And for as musically gifted as Devin is, he is equally down-to-earth and easy to talk to as this podcast episode and his last podcast appearance proves. A warning to all listeners, this episode gets a little techie at times and a little industry insider a bit, but it's it's a fun chat. And <laughs> Devin's a laugh. Okay, here goes. The one and only Devin Townsend is on the podcast, and it's star. Oh, wait a minute. Um, Please keep those reviews on iTunes coming. And uh, thank you to everyone who has left one already. I read them, and I love them, and it makes the podcast look great. So thank you for making the podcast look great. Um, Okay, take two. Devin Townsend returns to the podcast, and it starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around They play the kiddies, take us, go out, tell them for free I'm so glad I like to sometimes Jimmy in from Fuck Down Stop playing Hang Down Down It's the greatest podcast From coast to coast Coast to coast And I say The Don't Go Jones podcast Makes me feel Gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Daco Jones podcast starts. Yeah! Well, Devin, this is your second appearance on the podcast. Hi. Um, last time it was in Belgium at Grass Pop. This time we're in a parking lot somewhere in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. We're at NAM. Yeah. You strike me as one of the one of the poster boys for now in fact you are on a huge fucking giant poster that i saw today yeah i mean i think that my uh my trip because i've uh i gotta get my head together after this onslaught of human interaction i think you know most of my work has happened in the states and in Europe, as I'm sure it's similar with with you. Yeah. And as a result of that, and because of the type of music that I do, um, you know, I haven't really altered my course, and so my audience has stayed with me for 25 years and grown, and for the most part, they're employed. And I think as a result of that, um, these companies know that, you know, uh, if I'm doing something, there's a certain level of authenticity to it, and the audience tends to buy it. Right, right. So it's, you know, I'm a poster boy, uh, not for goodwill alone, but I think... uh, It's well-earned, definitely. Yeah, and I I also got to be careful with that as well, because, um, you know, if you you put your name on something, that's just a piece of crap, and then people end up supporting it, you know. But 
I mean, I've been doing NAM for for quite a while now, and I I got some good friends here, and it's a chance for me to not have to answer the last six months of emails. Because when I come here, I can do it in person. I hate emails. Oh, I see. You right, know, right. it's like I've got all these ones like from six months ago. Like we should do this, or you know, here's a question on this. But when I get here, I just spend the first couple of minutes of the conversation apologizing, and then I can I'm good for another year. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have to answer another mail. Well, um, I got to thank you because uh, you came into the studio, Garth's studio at the farm, uh, before we really started tracking, and then you. You had the Evertune on your guitar, yeah. and we were just so blown away. You gave us a little kind of demonstration. You ended up using it. We Garth got one one done. He now has three, <laughs> and I gotta say, it really does help with the performance on an album. Dude, and live? Are you using them live? No, dude. Dude, you gotta use them live. That's the best possible use of that 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 technology, man. It's just. We flew in uh, to Summer Breeze Festival, and it was uh, midnight, and um, we were late, so we had to load all the stuff. It's pouring rain. We just straight off the flight. Yeah. And then when I got on stage, uh, my guitar was perfectly into it. It's like we didn't have to change it, didn't have to intonate it. The neck was already wonky because of the temperature thing, and but still, still in tune. So it's like if you wow. throw your guitar up in the air, or if you like hit the drums with it or something it's like your guitar will still be in tune and there's something about that live that's just great for vocal pitch I find right yeah absolutely yeah, it, it, it locks you in yeah but I, I noticed it too and when Garth had one done you know a lot of people will knee jerk and say oh it takes the you know it take it makes sure. it robotic but no it doesn't, <laughs> no, it, doesn't. It, it makes you play way more at you're, I don't have to tighten up when I'm when I'm strumming or when I got to do something. It's it's so free. Yeah, no, I agree, and it's it's. But I mean, I think that's a lot of the reason why um, you know on the technological side of things, I've been fairly proactive because there's a goal in mind. There, there always has been. So when it comes to working with an instrument manufacturer or a pickup company or or Evertune or amps or any of these things, uh, I've got uh, an end game. To everything, and I think that end game is of practical value for for other musicians as well. So, for example, this guitar that we worked on with Framus, or this acoustic that we did with Prestige, which mm-hmm. is you know, yeah, that's right. So you're with two companies. Yeah, so I have a non-exclusive deal with both of them, right? And it works. And but then I think when people start playing these things, they're like, oh, that's why you did that cut there. And uh, you know, when you're touring, I know that. Uh, uh, your tech is going to be bummed out if your input jack is in an awkward position and the barrel jack is like the long one as opposed to the short one because they're harder to get in Slovenia or whatever. So, so a lot of the the instruments are, are a means to an end that's that's rooted in uh, a practical sort of application, and I think that can benefit a lot of people because you know not a lot of folks get a chance to do what what you and I are fortunate enough to do. And with what we do, there's certain realizations we're going to make about our tools that you're just not going to have. Yeah. And I think that that's probably another reason why these companies uh, choose to sort of um, want to have artists represented because it's based in solving problems, right? Mm-hmm. Well, when you when they get someone like you, uh, what's what's it? <laughs> no, but what's inferred <laughs> is like all the time is buy this guitar play like this guy it's how it is i mean it's part of advertising and promotion i think there's probably a certain amount of that but i think that um 
There's also another part of it that's just a collector mentality. Like people yeah, right, right, yeah, who are like the same people who want to buy the box set or want to buy the uh, the vinyl or, or anything like this. It's if you've put your heart and soul into making something, which I think if you're going to work with a company, you'd be foolish to not. But I think there's a lot of that that happens. People just slap their name on something that pre-exists. True. But I mean, with the stuff that I work with these people, I get a lot of a lot of times people will buy that aren't that aren't players or or what have you. They just kind of want something that is you know collect the whole bunch yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, i've never figured that out but i i understand you it. like it though right no i'm not a gearhead yeah like listening to you and garth just talk just now about your some board he bought and sure. and watching the look on your face as he kind of describes something that sounds like another language yeah although it's all in english I'm not. I don't compute. Well, I think it's just it's it's what your interests are, right? Like, um, I don't like sports. You know what I mean? And I don't like uh, politics. But I think it's like if your interests are uh, put in a place where you've got a sort of an emotional um, um, connection to it for whatever reason, yeah. then I think it, it's 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 less of like a, a fetish and more of a, again means to an end. And the guitar player that is now uh, working, I'm working with, um, Mike Keneally is his name, and he's like a he's Zappa and like really brilliant dude, has no use for gear, and is just a phenomenal musician. And I, when I press him on that, he's just like, I'll play whatever they put in front of me. And I think it's less of a, um, I think it's less of a, uh, an issue than, than, than maybe I had thought in the past, like your, people either like it or they don't. For me, because I just found myself after 30 years, I couldn't get the right engineer, I couldn't get the right singer, I couldn't get the right producer. Like every time I tried to work with somebody, the vision that I had was just articulated incorrectly. Like everybody would say to me, you can't mix Metallica and Enya, or you know, like take these sort of disparate styles and make them work. And I'm like, no, I know we can. I absolutely know we can. So after several failed attempts, uh, at getting a singer, I was like, fuck it, I'll become the singer. And so as a result of that, in order to be the best singer I could, I, I, I learned it to the level that I do now. And then I think with production, it's very much the same. So my interest in gear is not uh, fetishized. I don't have a whole a lot of interest in it. But I never get the vibe that you do when you talk about you, you and, you know. Yeah. I don't... It's enough. tools. But then again, you know, it's the same thing. It's like my dad really likes a certain type of wrench. You know, and I'm, yeah. you, you can fetishize that uh, too, yeah, yeah, right? No, that's the that's the mentality for sure. Yeah. But I mean, I think the difference between uh, fetishizing it and an interest in it is if it's got an end. I think if it doesn't have an end, it's a fetish. Mm, but I, if there's an end to it, it's like, yes. in order for me to achieve what it is I'm trying to achieve... I'd like, you know, a certain type of thing in the high end. I'd like a certain type of distortion, you know, and, and that's where it goes for me. I, I, I always describe a guitar as just, it's just like a hammer to me. Yeah, same Or a me. wrench. Like, I just same need it me. to get to point B, same the sound me. that's in my head. Same with me. Now, here's something I'll throw at you as devil's advocate. Um, my buddy and I were doing a jam, and I had a pedal board that I spent a bunch of time on, and a digital rack, uh, just like a... This fractal axe effects is fucking brilliant, and my guitar with it—that's always in tune, right? Yeah. And he was uh, not negative against it, but he's just like, dude, I can use whatever's here. I can use whatever's here, but I've got my rig so I can fly with it. It's under 25 pounds. It's got every possible thing. It's very easy to access. But there is a certain amount of like bravado from him, or it's just like, dude, I'll use whatever's here. But 
his ship was buzzing. He wanted another echo. He couldn't get another echo. It's like he wanted a phaser, couldn't get a phaser. But meanwhile, it's like having gone through the um, the process of, of sort of thinking of the uh, you know uh, the situations that may arise. I've got this tool yeah, yeah. that allows me to um, chop all sorts of stone, as opposed to just granite. Well, I think that's uh, that comes from just plain old insecurity. In which way? From him. Oh, from him just saying like I'll use anything. Yeah. And then having to uh, troubleshoot everything. Well, that's it. But I think that's the thing is it's because we kind of got into this this situation where where he was kind of giving me the gears about this 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 gear that I had right, and I'm like, look, man, it's like if it burnt down in a fire, it's fine. It's not like my life's going to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's the thing: is dude, at, in a pinch, I can do everything everything I need to do. Yeah. Plus, I don't pay overage like for the flight. Right. You know what I mean? It's all there, and it's like I can use my in ears. It's no, I, I understand that. So this works for that. me, man. It's like, but it's just I, yeah, people don't realize that. My music's a lot nerdier than yours, so I think there's a certain amount of like uh, you know sweep arpeggio shit that goes on in my trip that I think lends itself to this sort of like you know. Uh, Don't count me out though. Don't count me out. Never. I can do sweeping arpeggios through power chords. Can you? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. No, it's it's you know it's all just it's all just funny, man. It's like Comic Con for for guitar players. What I've been well, doing? Yeah, this. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh my god. I've been taking photos with people. Like really? Yeah, I've been taking photos with people. I'm like, oh, this this fucking guy, right? Like, <laughs> yes, yes, here I'll show you yes. the guy I got today. Yes, yes. He was my favorite. I was just. You gotta do well, like what uh, like how Vice magazine used to do like <laughs> what they're wearing really? and comment on their clothes on the street. They used to take photos of people. Yeah. And then comment on their clothes. This industry is so small, though, that it may end up being somebody that you work with, right? Like, I hope not. Dude, look at this guy. Like, what a gong show. You know what I mean? I like to think that his hair is attached to the hat. It's like a Halloween costume. That's it. He, like, washes it in a vat, and it's, like, hanging in the backyard. It's like cats are clawing but at it. now, this is a theory, is <laughs> the people who are dressed up to the tits, yeah. like, they just walked off some sort of Broadway show. Yeah. They're the ones who are not in a band. And the guy, the people who are actually in a band working, making it happen, sure. are like with their hats over their, you know, just like you know, their hoodies are on and just getting to the booths. I find that there's the, the one demographic of working musicians that's the most toxic are the ones that are like, they're in the intermediate level where they're not beginner where they're, um, they're hungry for it and they're not successful to the point where they like don't need to prove themselves. They're like, they're the ones that have got this practiced kind of like disdain. Yeah. You know, their girlfriend's carrying around their guitar for them and they're like got some crazy stupid leather jacket and they're like bitching about the catering and all this sort of thing, right? Now, I give those bands, every band gets a window of that. Yeah. You get a certain window where you can get all that shit out of your system. Yeah. You know, like you never had it and you got like a nice right. I always say on one of my rants, you know, on the in the van or the dressing room or something like that. these guys they just fucking get a, a one good live review and they walk around <laughs> with their fucking chin up and they think they're the shit you get a little sliver of a window open to act like an asshole and once that week or two is over get your shit together and, oh yeah man I, I think I think it's best to get that out of the way very early yes because then you can also uh, rationalize it based on youth as well you can be like oh I was a kid and oh yeah. blah, blah. I, it's the same with drugs. I always felt it's like, you know, if you're going to 
if you're going to go on a bender or something, you got to get that out of your system before you get a lot of uh, attention. Because I think at that point, uh, the microscope that all your stupid ideas and beliefs are held under, people are actually, to some degree, paying attention to it. So if you're riding the cusp of a manic episode, then just go full-blown once you get your first live review, man. It's like, that's that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, it... it, it, it. It's interesting. I, 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 you know, now I can step back and see all these people, and you laugh. I mean, I saw like these three people, and they're like, you know, they're twenty years old. They're at Nam, yeah. dressed to the tits. They're wearing makeup like they just stepped off jamming with Kiss seventy uh, seven. Yeah, they're there every year, man. I think amazing. Have I you been it. here before? I've. Ne- that's the thing. Oh, I've never been here before. No, it's, it's 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 a mess, man. It's like the psychological. Um, the psychological effort that this level of um, of hyper social vigilance that comes into just these constant interactions, the amount of effort that that takes to to shed after this is done is just like a week and a half, man. Yeah, I know. And someone described this in a really great way. It's like seventy five of your favorite people in the world and a hundred thousand of the worst people you'll ever run into. That's a good description. It makes perfect sense, man. Maybe there's a couple of thousand in the middle there too, right? But it's, but I think I started coming to this thing in ninety. I think the first one was ninety four, and so it's been many, many years of this. And um, I, uh, um, because what I do has uh, uh, a good reach and it's got a, a certain throw. But because the industry's changed in such a way that, for me, a lot of the advertisement I get now is through these companies that I work with. So, right. So a lot of like the guitar, right. uh, you know, it's like they yeah. do tons for me. And yeah. for somebody who does something that's as niche as I, uh, it's a brilliant way to do that. Yeah. But it's also a, it's it's a lot of compromise because it is such a small industry and all these people know each other and fuck each other and it's like this little incestuous thing yeah. so you got to be really careful if you um, become too uh, liberal with your uh, desire to accept free gear that's what happened in the beginning for me people say we'd love to give you an amp we'd love to give you a guitar we love okay. you and then before you know it you're just thinking oh they're giving it to me because i'm a swell guy as opposed to no this is how they sell their product and there's something that's going to they're going to need from you whether or not it's a video or an ad or what have you yet if you've taken instruments from competing companies then at the end of it you just look like a whore so a lot of times now when I get into relationships with people even if they want to give me something I'm like well I, I work with this guy I'm monogamous in that sense and even with Framus you know um, uh, the guitar company I work with I'm like I'll work with you for electric guitars but not for acoustic guitars and not for bass and then I work with those other ones and I let them know ahead of time as well it's like I'll work with you for acoustic guitar and I can I can promote that but I can't do anything in terms of electric guitar and same with amplifiers or, or plug-ins or software or any of these companies I work with. It's like well, here's the thing is, is, what is how deep do you go with each of these companies? Obviously, they put you on the, the, the cover of the poster, the top. You are in the forefront of that giant cutout that yeah. I saw. But I mean, it's like... So I you go, go deep when you, oh, you make a commitment. Yeah, oh, yeah I, I commit. So pickup company i work with fishman i got a i got a signature pickup but i went down to boston and i uh did the the designing and the programming and everything with larry fishman and his whole group of people we ran through prototypes for a year and then it's got uh a number of things about it that really work for me 
with the electric guitars. I've been to Mark de Kirsten in Germany maybe nine or ten times to the factory. I designed the body, like uh, took it on tour for a year. I, I got the weight that I wanted. I got the contours I wanted. I changed where the pickup selector was like six times. The strings that I use, it's every company. I did a pedal. I went to China last year and I did this delay pedal. But I design. It's my design. It's 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 my my not a patent, but it's it's my ideas. I've got a whole litany of ideas now that I'm sort of courting certain companies for as well. But it certainly has to come in uh, in a way that there's no no compromise, right? Because I get offered things from companies where like, well, we'll do this for you. We'll make a pedal. And I was like, okay, well, here's what I'm looking for in an overdrive. This is what irritates me about overdrive pedals. You know, it's like maybe there's a mid-hump that affects the way that it hits the front end in a certain way or whatever, right? And uh, they're like, okay, well, we can't do that. But we can take this existing one and put your name on it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah, well, you got no interest in that. Because, again, I think that the thing that has allowed me to have a career for as long as this is because the audience knows that I'm not full of shit. So if I'm selling them something, it's like, well, why are you putting your name on this? I'm like, well, because I went there and I dealt with it. I did not know you and Ginger. I didn't, I didn't know well, I that this, was... I think this is the thing that has defined what I do in a way, because when I was a kid in Vancouver, you know, like, it's not punk, but, you know, Vancouver, no means no, Daigle abortions, all this shit. It was like... Especially Daigle. Yeah, and that's what we grew up with, and I loved it because it was like... It was funny and like they didn't give a shit and whatever. And that was like the scene that I grew up in. But I just, I like, I was like, I really knew how to play guitar. So it was like one of these weird things that like my buddies were like, yeah, dude, you you can't fucking do that. You got to dumb it down, dude. And I'm like, but at a certain point, I'm like, well, what is, what would be, what would be more authentic for me to dumb it down for people who I like hanging with or just being like, guys, this is what I do, man. I fucking think it like orchestral shit. You know what I mean? But that attitude is like, that's why Ginger and I got along because I'm like, but I just, I'm coming at it from a different point. Like, I'm like, I like the orchestras and the choirs and the fucking crazy tech and all this shit, but I still want it just to be like chaos. I want it to be like fucking a mess. So we get along on that level, but I think now it's it's an interesting thing, like with the gear companies, because you know now I've got this this career that is so invested in, in you know theory and and all this sort of shit. But where it, the root of it was still the same shit, man. It was like they should Devon Towns and formerly of the Wild Heart. Yeah, our they do. They do product. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the UK, I mean, that's why oh, it did really yeah, well for me in the UK, yeah. right? Because it's like, oh, they're seen as in some circles, <laughs> they're seen as as kings. I gotta see if I can find the pictures too. I had a shitty fucking mohawk. Like <laughs> I just sang on the Mutation record too, like the new. Oh, uh, yeah. that's another. See that. Yeah. Okay, now I can bridge the gap because yeah. I love his mutation albums. Yeah. Well, that was, and that makes sense in your world too. Well, he—that was because yeah, this, this was us in '98, dude. Like, holy fuck, like, <laughs> God, yeah, that is wild. Yeah, dude. Like, we were like, we we went through. Yeah, there's me, there's me in the Wild Hearts. <laughs> See, wow, dude, we were online too. It's all these videos. Right? <laughs> I gotta look it up, man. Oh, shitty. Wow, yeah, worst possible gotta be that bad man well that makes sense that you're you're part of, I love the mutation albums he makes yeah that's cool and that to me would immediately th- I would make me think that, it, that those would live more in your world well I mean I'll only say this 
I only say this because uh, he had said it to me, but I put out a record in 98 that affected him heavily, 97, called City, the Strapping and Lad record. And he wanted to do that at the time. So uh, Mutation, I think, was, and Endless Nameless, was two things that were directly influenced by that period. And that's when we spent a lot of time together, right? Because... That, yeah, yeah, that, you know. Yeah. But we were both in Japan for fucking tons of time together. Did we had man? We were, it was so unhealthy. <laughs> wow, that's, that's yeah. wild. It, it was great. I don't necessarily immediately think of you two like. Oh yeah, I think partnering up. we got to know each other. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure. Thing. It's just I know how to do the sweep arpeggios, right? Like it's just <laughs> you know what I mean. Right, right that's right. all. Yeah, that's yeah. the only. It's the only difference. Really, I mean, it's yeah. like and he got laid in high school, which is why he didn't know how to do sweep arpeggios, right? Because it's like those of us who didn't, we're just like, fuck it, I'll just do this, right? But that's why it's like I, I, just because I, I can't do them yeah. doesn't mean I was getting laid. Well, I, oh, okay, that's a good. <laughs> well, this is why I actually have a hard time with the scene that I find myself in. Sometimes I'm like, I don't relate a lot to the guy. I mean, some bands I do, but there's not. A, I mean, of the years of touring, there's like maybe three dudes that I talk to on a, on a social level you know just like people you've toured with and you're like oh I like that guy I get him he's cool right and then the rest of them are just like you show up and you're like oh, holy fuck yeah and then you see him here every year right you know who's playing in the lobby here tomorrow Tiffany I'm just saying I'm just see, saying that, that is <laughs> what I like That's- right part of Nam that I do like. That's what I like. I was making this assumption that she was like going to be like torn fishnets and like a cigar martini in one hand. (laughs) You know, I mean, just like shot sitting on a bar still. I think we're alone now. (laughs) No, she was in, um, uh, what was it? Sharknado versus, she was in a a film with Debbie Gibson. And it was like a, it was Sharknado versus, uh, like a uh, Godzilla oh, or something. Yeah, I heard about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a cinematic record. I've got it on Blu-ray. Is it, can't. it was five bucks, but I still oh, bought actually, it. You know what? I think I saw one of the Sharknado, uh, and it, it's exactly what it said it was going to be. Yeah. You know, I didn't think at first. I was like, nah, it's not going to be a tornado with sharks, yet that's what it was. <laughs> exactly the description. I like to think of like what went into the conversation when they were like trying to pitch it. Okay, here we are, boys. Here we are. Okay. It's a tornado, right? You know them, right? Ooh, it's a full of fucking sharks. We got a deal, boys? You know it? Well, we'll bring Debbie, bring Debbie Gibson and Tiffany in and we'll talk. <laughs> no, I'm not. Nah, nah, I don't think we're going to go for it. All right, let's sweeten the pot here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we'll get them both in the same. Right. We'll have like a battle at the end, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like Mecca Debbie and Mecca Tiffany and they just like, oh, that'd be sick. Well, that's another reason for Nam for me that was great is, although I missed him, he appeared twice at Nam. Is Oz Fox from Striper? Really? I he did he was sick or something. Yeah, he yeah. There was some sort of accident, but yeah. he made two appearances. Okay. One today at twelve thirty, and yes, yeah, I missed them both. Yeah. But, you know, that's Nam in L.A. for me. Oh, but no, I know. It's like you find him in the front. It's like, that's the third bass player from Cinderella. You know what I mean? Like, he's that's over there getting love. a beer, right? That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I find it so hard. That, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, I find it really sad. Like, when you see people that are like, maybe I don't find it sad. I don't know what I find it. This year, I find it more sad because I feel that um, politically, socially, economically, everything's in such turmoil that no one buys it anymore which I think is really healthy 
and not that no one buys it, but the but the facade has grown much thinner. So a lot of times when people are here, it's like past years, everybody's like, ah, we're in bands, yeah. Check out my leather jacket, my fancy pants, and you know, go fuck the A and R lady from you know whatever. You know, stay in tune strings, and it's this big thing that's got this this aura of the illusion of what the music industry was at one point still sort of like but now this year is the first year and it's awesome it's like the first year where everybody's kind of got this like uneasy sense that it's this is all bullshit and I I think it's I think it's really healthy in a way you know I, mean, I love it I, I just love I can't tell because I, I love it and I know that it's bullshit but I love just getting caught up in it yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not buying into it, obviously. No, Look at me. But I mean, it's like, <laughs> but it's like, um, I, uh, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's. I think at a certain point you gotta cut your hair. I just that's how I feel. As a dude, like if you're, if you're like rolling into your fifties and you still got the same duds that you were wearing when you were twenty five, man, like you don't have good friends at that point. Like no one's telling you, they steer you, bro, right. man. You fucking, you look a mess. You, you got a lot of yes men. You, you got too many people telling you what you want to hear. I always go when I'm passing by these guys at Nam, and they've got like stringy long hair, and they they've got leather skin. Yeah, I just go. <laughs> Who, who's that guy? Who yeah. do I do I know that guy? Yeah, I think that's exactly why they dress that way, right? It's yeah. like I like the fact they all smell like sandalwood or something, yeah, yeah, vanilla man. or some sort of I love weird. It, man. Yeah. I love it. it smells like you think you're somebody. <laughs> the ode, uh, delu- ode delusion. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So but, uh, uh, that would yeah. be great. What a great the Nam fragrance. Oh yeah. E A U D E illusion. No, I just but the leathery skin and it, and it's like those are the guys that are getting their girlfriends to carry the guitar. Like it's like nine thirty at night and they got their shades on, bumping into walls. Oh, yeah. I know. That sucks. I have a hard time with shades. I have a real hard time with sunglasses. Same with me. I hate it. I have to wear them now. <laughs> I know. Well, I, I do. Why? Why? Because I have uh, I have a buckle in my right eye and I have uh, uh, another condition in my left eye. Oh, so you have to wear them. I have. Uh, I was told by my optometrist. How do you, do you feel? Do you feel douchey when you're doing it? I feel totally douchey. Sucks. I wear these. It's not prescription, yeah. but they're like anything to shave. That's right. Those yeah. those are risky business. Is what those are, man. Those yeah. are like the Tom Cruise. Yeah, aviator type yeah I, I gotta take uh, cause you wear glasses I gotta take this for the rest of my life oh I don't I have it at the house but Occuvite these uh, vitamin pills oh, okay. for your eye oh okay yeah no I just you know I just but I have a hard time with when I can't see somebody's eyes because I'm like I don't know if they're lying to me you yeah. know what I mean it's like so this guy came <laughs> this guy came out to me a couple years back and he's like he's like hey Randy remember me he's got shades on I'm like no I was like, you know, I'm like, maybe it's the sunglasses, man. So he takes his glasses off, and he's got, like, this eyeball that's just, like, going bananas, right? And I'm like, so in that sense, I'm thinking to myself, like, uh, like maybe you need to wear them, right? Like, maybe that's why people wear them. But, but Leather Boy there with, like, his, you know, 48-year-old girlfriend that has, like, got an inch and a half of, like, pain makeup on her is, like, walking four steps behind this fucking asshole carrying his, like... Have you seen that? Oh, dude. Oh, my God. Just loathsome human beings, right? Luckily, we're so great. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Luckily we rule, man. Luckily we rule. We're sitting on the fucking floor in a car park at night. We're keeping it real. This is what we'd be like in the school dance. Okay? Dude, those jocks are like, just they don't even, they can't even oh, hang. <laughs> losers, man. <They're> totally losers. <laughs> <laughs> it's alright I was the only one <laughs> that's, what, that's what we'd be doing yeah. I think that these things are just a microcosm of high school again man. Oh, yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so true sucks. we're on the so back true. of the portables right? it's so true oh my god it's funny because I was at the Dime Bash yesterday oh yeah and you know uh, Chris Jericho I, I, Chris he was on the last record Really? Yeah, he's on my last record. Fuck, yeah, man. Yeah, 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 we're buddies. We're on a we're on a text thing together. He sends me fucking horrible images. He's a good dude, man. I did his podcast. Yeah, he is a good dude. I just yeah. messaged him yeah. uh, after today on uh, Twitter. So you know him as well. I do. He was on the he was on my podcast. That's fucking awesome. So he's he's a, he's a, you know he's end of the night. He's having a good time. Yeah. And uh, he comes up to me. Someone introduces him. And, oh yeah, thank you. How's it going? And uh, I go, cool man. How's it going? And then he saddles up to me, puts his arm around me, whispers in my ear, Oh, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm from Toronto. I don't want to talk to anybody. He says that to Chris in my ear. Because he's like He totally knows What a Canadian behaves like And then the LA Kind of like yeah. he, he totally got it no, I And I laughed Because I'm like You totally know who I am Well not only that I get the impression that um, <laughs> I get the impression with him Because you know He's popular And he's doing all these things But I get the impression He was uh, uh, Awkward in school and I think that's actually why I find him endearing as well, because his tenacity has put him in a position where he's had success and all these sorts of things. Yeah. But again, I, I, I can't I can't help but think that, you know, maybe in high school he'd be back here too. I I I totally think that. Like that's also I mean if there is a, a tying thread between the three of us, yeah. we're, we're very introverted, extroverted type people. Yeah. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, like, I, I go, I said something about kick axe, right? And he starts on cue. He goes, keep that. He's just yelling at the top of his lungs oh, really? in front of everybody. He starts singing kick axe. So I can't do that. See, that's, that's, that's why he could be him. Yeah. yeah. But then someone came up to us going, oh, what are you two Canadians, you know, blow? And he goes, yeah, we're singing kick axe songs. Yeah. So my message to him today, you know, remember the Killer Dwarfs? Yeah, of course. So I go, uh, and don't forget, Keep that spirit alive. Uh, keep that spirit alive. And then he answers back, "Well, you gotta do something." Like it's—he's definitely a fucking super fan. Yeah, he's yeah, a, he, yeah, he is. He is a super fan. I get that. I get that impression. I yeah, mean, I love that. Yeah, same man. It's it's just. Fuck! I didn't know he was on your last record. Yeah, dude. Is it the one you were about to start no, when you came? When you came into the studio? Oh, it's two ago. It's okay. two ago. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... Yeah, he's a great dude, man. Well, he works with a guy... Like, in the mid-90s, I produced this band called Stuck Mojo out of... Yeah. Uh, and there's dudes in Fozzie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, you know, that was a connection, and it's just... Oh. And I did this Ziltoid thing where I was looking for this superhero. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I need some guys like Zap Brannigan. And my buddy was like, you should get hold of Chris Jericho. So I called Rich, who was a guitar player. I was like, would you ask him if he would do this stupid thing? And he did. And he put on a pair of leotards and like acted like a superhero. Wow. Yeah, it's cool, man. Well, I mean, just the fact that maybe I'm just projecting my own Canadian ease on him. Yeah. I could, I could see like I could see similarities with from Winnipeg, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 
But it's funny, like he's busting on Toronto. Oh, I don't want to talk to you. I'm from Toronto. Oh, it's so yeah. funny. <laughs> oh, I get it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that was the thing. He's just busting on Toronto and just, I just thought, it's so cool. I thought that was cool, you know. But anyways, yeah. It's it's good to see you here. I think it's, you know, there's a lot of times people are that come to this are overwhelmed in the first first bit of time that they're here. Yeah, but as a part of what we do for a living, it's a it's a really uh, healthy uh, attribute to have uh, these relationships uh, maintained. I think as long as we don't like um, vomit our resume on people as the first thing when you meet somebody. That's what I find here. It's so fucking brutal, right? It's like, oh, this is Buddy. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, so basically my record came out last week and I did a thing with him. You know, and you remember that guy who had that thing? Yeah, well, I'm his buddy and we're working with him, right? He was on my last record. You know, Chris Jericho? But it's like... A <laughs> but, uh, but but I'm, I approached you. I, 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 wanted I went you. with it too far. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, oh, fuck, I should stop there. It's like weird, man. But... Uh, that's cool, man. No. Here we are. This is the Canuck Corner, man. I really wish someone would take a photo of us here. I would use this to promo the episode. <laughs> oh, but anyways. Anyways. No. Really? Anyways, Devin, thanks for this, man. Sure. Thanks for your time. I know you're you're super busy. At NAM, they're pulling at you from all sides. I gotta get this one. Here, let me get a photo, right? Okay. I gotta ask this guy over there. This is, this is the most Canadian thing we've done so far, by the way. Is I like know. Being afraid to ask somebody. For so, do you want to ride off? Do you want to ride I heard a great Canadian joke. Uh, how do you get 30 Canadians out of a swimming pool? No. Time to get out, boys. <laughs> All right. Anyways, Devin, thanks a lot for this. Yeah, it was awesome. You too. Yeah, thank you very much again for having me, buddy.